Good to see all of you here and uh, all of you that are uh, joining us on the line right now. So uh, I'm going to wrap up our series here, uh, Difference Maker, and uh, the preaching team, uh, we were talking earlier this week, uh, just kind of uh, just about what we wanted to do in, in wrapping this up and just felt like it'd be really important just to discuss a little bit this issue that oftentimes when we step into being a difference maker, like we'll run into something. There, there's just something we'll experience with either it becomes really difficult or awkward or we, it's like, did I really make a difference here? And it can be, it can just feel daunting. And so I uh, thought it would just be important to just kind of come back at that. And it reminded me of a time when uh, I was on a trip uh, with uh, one of our global teams. In fact, uh, Ryan and Andy were with me on this uh, trip and it was to New York. And it's because we, there's a ministry that we've worked with for years and years, uh, the Christian Embassy Ministry. And they work with diplomats and um, ambassadors and their staffs from all over the world. And you get a chance to make a connection worldwide, uh, especially from countries that we could never go and visit or whatever. It's kind of a cool thing. And at Christmas time, they host this huge UN Christmas uh, dinner. And it is a big deal. And you have diplomats and ambassadors from all of these different uh, countries that come. And so we were there for that. And my wife and I were going to host a table that was going to have um, the Syrian uh, dis- diplomats uh, at it. So we were kind of excited and the day arrives <clears throat> and I was down in the hotel lobby or something, drinking some coffee and just relaxing until that evening for the dinner. And one of the leaders for the Christian embassy came up to me and said, hey, got something to ask you. Um, Our keynote speaker, right, uh, who should be flying in anytime, called us and said that uh, because of some weather problems and other things, that he has been held up. Shouldn't be a problem. He should be here, but he's going to be late. And we just thought we should have a backup plan. And so, yeah, you know exactly where I'm going. And they were like, and we thought we would see if you could be the backup plan. Sure, we won't need you, but just, you know, just in case. And I'm like, sure, no problem, right? Not a problem, right? So then, like, uh, part of the day goes by, a few hours uh, go by, and they're like, so, talked with the speaker. He, he's in Boston now, but the last three flights he was supposed to catch to get here all got canceled because of this weather or other. We're sure he's going to make it. But just wanted you to know, right, you're still the backup plan. And at this point, I'm like, hmm, I I should think about what I might say to this group of people. Because, like, as I started thinking about it, I was like, you know, this this is a very diverse group of people. And uh, so then we're now like, I don't know, like an hour and a half or an hour from this thing. Like, we're getting dressed and all this stuff. And they're like, hey, so he's still in Boston but he thinks he'll make it here, right? And now I'm like, I better come up with a plan. And Ryan was there and Ryan goes, you're crazy for signing up for this thing. And I'm like, what do you mean? This will be funny. He goes, yeah, but just think about like how diverse this will be. And I realized, you know, there are going to be people that will be uh, at this that were Hindu, atheist, 
Buddhist, Muslim, I mean, from all of these different countries. And so I'm starting to work through like what I'm supposed to, what I'm going to say and go through this. And I'm like, yeah, can't use that illustration. No, can't use that illustration. Like, you know, there are people here um, that, you know, back home, their countries aren't getting along very well. Right. And so there's lots of little cultural things you can do to mess this all up. And I'm like, oh, like I'm starting to feel the stress of this thing. Um, we get there, the dinner begins, right? And he's still not there. It's like, we're like 30, 40 minutes out. And now it's like 20 minutes out. And then it's 15 minutes out. And I'm hardly talking with anybody. I'm hosting a table with my wife. And I'm hardly talking with anyone because I've got my yellow pad out. And I'm like, okay, nope, that won't. And I'm just like, I didn't even eat dinner. Like they're serving dinner. I'm not even eating dinner. Um, 15 minutes, 10 minutes till, right? And then the speaker walks in. Yes. And I felt all of this relief, right? And then I felt like a little disappointment because I was just like, man, I worked on this thing, you know? And that would have been kind of cool to talk to all these people and from all, I mean, the most diverse group, right? And, and, uh, and I felt like that tension of like, okay, man, so God, what's going on? Man, I poured all of this stuff in and then, and I'm like, I'm glad the speaker made it like, that's good. But like, it's a little disappointing, but I'm also kind of glad too, because I don't know that I had the talk completely pulled together uh, yet on this thing. And there'll be moments where we go to make a difference that you're going to experience, where you're going to go and make a difference and you're going to step into it. And there may be a moment where it's like, oh man, there's some disappointment here because I was expecting something else and it didn't turn out the way I thought. Or you will feel feel like the stress or the enormity of the issue uh, that you're trying to make a difference in. And you're going to feel this thing of like, Am I really the right one? I mean, like, does God really want me to do this? Because I don't know that I bring the skill or the background or like, you know, isn't that somebody else's passion or insight in this? I'm just like, I'm a just, I'm an average person, right? And like, and we'll feel the tension on all of this stuff. And I'm sure you have felt that at moments where maybe you have questioned, like, am I really the difference maker um, that, that God really needs in this moment. And that's what I want to talk about here, because we're all going to experience that. And I want to do this out of a little letter. It's, uh, it's called First Timothy. Um, it's in the New Testament. In fact, if you want, you can uh, turn there because we're going to be reading out of there, out of the first. Uh, we'll start in the first chapter there. Uh, but let me give you some background on this, because there is a bit of advice that Paul gives in this. So Paul is writing this letter to a very young and kind of new pastor. Um, and it starts with Paul, you know, after Paul became a follower of Christ, he goes and he starts traveling. He starts establishing all of these churches all throughout the Mediterranean. And he goes through uh, the area of Anatolia, which is like modern day Turkey. And one of the largest cities in the entire Roman empire, a very influential city was a church called, um, a city called Ephesus. And it is a cosmopolitan city, but it is also a city that is filled with that diversity has brought tension right there. Are, you have Orthodox Jews there, but this city goes back because it had been conquered and ruled from the Hittites to the Persians, to the Greeks, and now the Romans. And it was this major hub, but you had religions from all of these different backgrounds. You had political opinions about everything. You had all of these religious uh, uh, diversity amongst even the groups within it. And there was tension in it. And Paul 
correctly knows that, but if I could establish a church there, right, it would have such amazing influence to the rest of the world because people would be traveling through it. And uh, it's a city with influence to other cities. And so he establishes that church there and then he leaves. Okay. And he puts Timothy in charge of that uh, church when he leaves. And he leaves Timothy with all of the tensions and everything because the church, right, being a reflection of the whole culture around it comes in and you've got people from all of these different backgrounds and all of these different philosophies about how to see the world and life and what they thought, different stratuses of wealth and influence and all of these things. And so what you have in the book of Timothy is Paul after he's left, he's gone on to Macedonia and he's like, I need to help Timothy out. There are some things that need to be worked on in this church. So we picked this up. Uh, look with me in first Timothy chapter one, starting in verse three, it says this, as I urged you, when I went to into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you can command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. And so he dives right in like there's there's all of these controversies and they're coming from some of these weird teachings and influences that are trying to come into the church. Um, he goes on in verse four, he says, such things promote uh, controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command, right? What I'm telling you to do here, here's the goal, Timothy. Here's, I, and this whole letter is going to be all the things that Timothy needs to do to, to help, you know, get this church uh, in shape and ready to do what it needs to do. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith, right? So Timothy, I want you to take all of these people from all these different backgrounds with all of these different tensions and arguments and all of this different stuff. And I just want you to have them all get along with a sincere heart, right? It'd be like saying, I want you to just go in there and get, get the Russians and the Ukrainians to just love one another, right? That's, that's all you need to do, right? That's just, and it's like, woo. That's, that's the job in front of, in front of Timothy uh, here. And what's interesting is the letter goes on and it becomes, um, a, a more detailed kind of letter than we see oftentimes, uh, with Paul's letters because he's getting down to like, okay, here's the thing you got to work on. Like, so he, all of these weird theological beliefs, you got to work on that and you got to straighten all of that out. Uh, he goes into worship services, right? There's all this stuff you need to do with the worship service. Cause you've got people from different cultures and people over here get offended by this. And people over here get offended by this. And how do you blend all of this stuff together? And so he gives them all this and here's what you, here's how you got to change the worship services. Um, he deals with all these cultural issues. Um, even, you know, like the women's small group ministry, right? He goes and and it's like, there's some work that needs to be done over there. And he actually goes, Paul actually goes in and is telling Timothy, okay, you got to go in and, and, and I need you to, to talk with the women about how they dress. You need to give them some instructions on how they're dressed. And I read that. And I'm just like, Whoa, man, I, the last thing I'd want to do is go into the women's uh, ministry, you know, small group ministry and start telling them how they need to dress when they show up to small groups. I, I'd rather have to speak to like Muslims, Hindus and Muslims and Coptic Christians at a UN dinner than to have to go do that. Right. And here's like, and he just starts giving him all of these things like here, like you got a problem over here and you got to work on uh, that. Um, he goes in and talks about their benevolence ministry and the things that they've got to work on that. Uh, Ephesus, because it was such a large city and because it was from all these different cultural backgrounds, 
there was probably a pretty significant issue with widows because there would have been a lot of widows from different cultural backgrounds that once they became a widow, like they, they would have really struggled like, uh, with being destitute. And the church is wanting to, to meet this need. They see this, but it's complicated because it is a huge problem in a giant city like Ephesus. And so he goes through this whole thing about how you've got to organize this and take care of this whole thing. And if and just imagine for a moment that you're Timothy, right? And you're, and it's just the list goes on, right? Chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, chapter four. And it's just like page after page, like, oh, you got to work on this. And, and I think Paul is kind of feeling, you know, uh, the weight of all of this. In fact, he goes into this thing at one point, uh, even the elders, even the elders in this church were having problems. Um, and you have the longest section, I think, anywhere in all of scripture that gives any sort of instruction about like, uh, how to, how to develop or work on or train or straighten out like the elders. In fact, he goes on, um, I got this. He gives like some 28 different instructions on things that they're alone, supposed to do with the elders alone. And let me give you a few of these. Like, uh, you need to spend some time and help them with being more self-controlled. Um, they've got to work on not being quarrelsome and how to handle quarrels. Uh, they've got to be of good reputation with outsiders. So there's this whole thing about like how to, how they connect with the rest of the city, not to be overbearing, not to be quick tempered. Um, they're disciplined husbands of, uh, one wife. Hmm. Uh, temperate. Um, and it just goes on and on and on and on. And you go, why did he like, I, there's not a, there's not a church today in our country that if you were to look at, okay, what's their list of all the qualifications and all the things with elders, there wouldn't be 28 different things. I mean, there, there might be a lot, there might be a few of them, but like today we're just like, no, that list is too long. Right. And you go, why did Paul like cover 28 or more different things? Because they were having problems with all of those things. That's why that's in there, right? Straighten that out, Timothy. That's, that's on your to-do list. And you can just feel there's this moment like halfway through the letter. I think Paul's reading this and he hasn't even gotten to the elder thing yet, right? He's reading, he's going on and he's like, okay, you got to fix that thing with the widows. You got to, man, I'm not even to the part about the elders. I bet Timothy's a little overwhelmed right now. And there's this great verse. There's this great verse. Uh, turn to chapter five, first Timothy chapter five. And it seems like it's just like comes out of the blue, but I don't think it does. I, I think Paul put this right here strategically because it's just like, I, I got to give, I, I got to give Timothy a little break here. It says this. I love this verse. Um, chapter five, verse 23. He says, stop drinking only water and use a little wine. Right? <laughs> yeah, use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. It's called stress, Paul. That's what it's called. And you're the one putting it on him, right? It's just like, I love this. It's just, it's like, you know, where else in the New Testament is the New Testament author going, I think it's time to do a little drinking. That's the problem. There's some stress, right? Now, I'm not saying that the Bible is saying uh, alcohol is a great coping mechanism. I don't think that's the lesson we'll take out of this uh, to, uh, this morning, right? That's not the point. What I think is the point is, right, Paul is understanding, oh, this is daunting. If Timothy is wanting to be a difference maker in this church, in this city, and Paul's seeing all of these issues, it's like, man, 
I, I mean, imagine Timothy, right? There had to be a moment where he's just like, the problem feels this big and it feels like I've got this much time, right? The skills and, and the things that have got to be organized and done seems like it's this big. And like what I bring to the table is this. It just, it had to feel daunting or difficult in this, right? That you go through the list and it's like, he, he would have needed every spiritual gift ever mentioned anywhere in the New Testament. And he didn't have all of those gifts, right? And so there's this thing that sometimes when we step into being a difference maker and you begin to see the problem, right? There's this thing that I have really noticed over the years. It is beautiful, but it also has this difficult side to it. The more someone begins to lean into life by trusting Christ, right? Just like leaning into that. I, notice this. The more that person will come to just care about people and their community and the world. Like they just, there's something about that that you just, you just, you just care about people and, and, and people in this world. But it has this kind of the, the flip side of this that is hard, though, and I've watched this for decades, is that you see the problems, you see the difficulties, you, you, you see people that are struggling to trust God over here. You're seeing people that are hungry over here. You see like the, the you know, like the widow problem that they have here. We see the equivalent of that in our cl- We see all of these different things. Right. And the problem is like this big. And as you lean into it, just because you care more, because you're being led by Christ, it's like, I can't fix it. I I, I can't, like, the thing I begin to care about more, I I see that this this problem's going to go on. This struggle isn't going to, I could pour my life into it, but I don't have all the time in the world. And even if I did, I don't know that I could flip all of that or this problem or that problem. And I think that's what Timothy feels here. And it's something we're all going to feel at different moments. That we're going to have cares in this world that are good ones. But it's going to feel like, does my difference really amount to anything at all? It just feels so small. You know, there's this little saying um, in the first service. I said, I don't know where it came from, but like wherever it came from, like, it, it matches our experience. And it's, and it's this, uh, a drop in the bucket. Uh, and then after the service, I learned that it came from the Bible, the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah. <laughs> Did not know that, right? But this idea, a drop in the bucket. Ever have a moment where um, there's something you see and it's like, man, we should change that. We should flip that around and, and do something there. And then you're like, but what? I have to offer as a difference maker is just like a drop in the bucket. And it just doesn't feel like it's going to amount to much at all. Like you just look at it and just say, you know, my skills, my gifting, I, like, I, like I'm not the person that could go and do that. I care about it. But what I have to offer is like this. And it's just a drop in the bucket. Ever feel that way? And, and so... Paul, as he's writing this letter, right? I think he senses this whole thing going on. So chapter four, like he pauses and he's like, maybe you need to go get a glass of wine, right? And then he offers some, 
some better advice in this, in chapter five in this. And this is what I want to look at uh, here this morning, because I think it gets, uh, it's easy to overlook the implication of this, but there's something here for all of us, not just Timothy uh, in this. And here's, so here's what he says. Um, uh, actually, the, I'm sorry, the, the glass of wine was in chapter five. The, this advice is in chapter four. So chapter four, verse 12, he says this. He says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, and in faith, and in purity. Okay? And oftentimes we look at that and we'd say, well, that's a, that's a great piece of advice for a, a young person in the church. And it is. But there's something more here that I, that I want you to think about in all of this. Um, so he starts off and he says, you know what? Don't let anyone look down on you, right? Just because you're young. Can Timothy directly control how people look at him? No, like none of us have that ability, right? If so, someone may choose to see us a certain way and we, like, we don't have control over that. But I don't think that's what Paul was really trying to get at, is it, right? We kind of all know what he's, what he's getting at here. It's how Timothy will see himself. That's what he's getting at here. He's saying, Timothy, I want you to step out. I want you to be a difference maker, but I don't, I don't want you to think of yourself as too young. I don't want you to think of yourself as not enough. I don't want you to think of yourself as the difference in the skills and the abilities that you bring as not being enough for what's in front of you. That, that's his point here. His point is, don't allow the difficulty of what you face to keep you from making a difference. Because we're all going to face something, right? But don't let that difficulty keep you from taking a step and making a difference. Because we, like, it's important. We all are going to have an opportunity to make a difference. And we're all going to face this. Um, and maybe sometimes the question we ask is, is the difference worth it? Because it just feels like a little drop in the bucket. And, and I see that today. I see sometimes where people in our world and we see the chaos in the world and it just feels like all the problems have been here for so long and we pour all of this time and energy into it and the problem will still be there after we've made our little difference in it. And it just feels like a drop in the bucket. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? And here's what I want to say. I, I, I want to take the rest of my time. I want to talk about three reasons why it is worth it why it's more than worth it, okay? So that we all walk out of here with this felt sense of why it's worth it. So here's the first one. Um, the difference you make is going to be a blessing that matters for someone. It's worth it because there's a difference that you make. Your little drop in the bucket is going to make a difference for someone. I think about, um, I, I think about that ministry to all of the widows back in Ephesus. It, it would have been an overwhelming thing, a whole city. And the, the church would have been one of the few places that would have really been dedicated to trying to minister to widows, no matter what their faith was, no matter how they were connected, because they just cared about uh, people. And I can just see Timothy going, oh my gosh, okay, I'm going to make this change and this change. And he said to make this change, but it's like, but the problem's still going to be there. Right. But you know what? I bet Timothy went back and he made some changes and maybe there were still widows in need after he made those changes, but there was a widow somewhere and her life got changed. 
And that little drop in the bucket of whatever Timothy did, it meant the world to her, right? There was a widow somewhere who felt disconnected and didn't felt like she belonged any place, maybe didn't even know where she was going to live. And she had a place to live after Timothy made a few changes and some people came around. It made all the difference in the world to her. Maybe there's a widow that was struggling to know where her next meal came from. And that little church in Ephesus, they made sure she had a meal. It made all the difference in the world to her. See, when you put your little drop in the bucket, that drop's going somewhere. And that little drop, when it gets to whoever God wants it to get to, to make a difference for that person, it's a big deal, right? There's a, there's an old illustration of this, uh, that it it just, and I'm going to use it even though I've used it in the past, but it is so good. It captures this idea. There's this little boy, um, and he's walking along the beach and Uh, the night before a high tide came in and all of these starfish for some reason came up. And then that morning, the tide went out really, really fast and it stranded thousands and thousands and thousands of these starfish. And as the sun's coming up, all these starfish are going to die because they can't make it back into the ocean. And this little boy's going around and he's picking up one starfish at a time and he walks over and he puts it in the ocean. He picks up another one and he puts it over in the ocean. And he's just walking down the beach and he's picking up these starfish and putting them back in the ocean. And there's this man that watches this boy doing this. And he's looking at the thousands and thousands of starfish that you just see up and down the beach. And he's like, what is he doing this for? And he even says to the kid, he says, what, like, you're, you're not making any difference at all, right? Like, did you see how many thousands of starfish there? Like, why don't you go play or do something else, right? Because you're not making a difference. And then the little boy reaches over, picks up another starfish, and he goes, it'll make a difference to this one. And he goes and puts it in the ocean. You know why your drop in the bucket matters? Because it's going to make a difference for someone somewhere. And it's worth it for that person, right? See, this is, this is the beauty of God's kingdom. There's something that you have, a skill, ability, a resource, your time, like all these different things. You go to make a difference. I don't care what the macro problem may or may not be after you're done. You're a difference maker at some point where it matters to someone in there. Don't allow the difficulty of what you face to keep you from making a difference. Because here's the deal. The difference you make is a difference worth making, friends. It really is. You know, another reason why it's worth making, the difference you make will inspire others to be difference makers. I want you to look back at uh, Timothy chapter four. Look at verse, this, look at the second half of 12 that we read a little while ago. It says, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity, right? There's this way of saying like, you know, when you step out and you make a difference, like you become this kind of living example for something in this. And you know, as you read through this thing, I don't think Paul uh, was expecting Timothy to do all of this himself and, and fix everything and turn everything around in this church all on himself. Like Paul knew that. In fact, you know, Paul was kind of like, you know, I know I started and I set it up and I'm kind of the guy that left all of these problems for you, Timothy, right? You know, and it's, and now he's writing about all the problems he left Timothy. Well, it's because Paul wasn't trying to solve all of those problems either. Because he knew on his own he couldn't, but he set an example. And now he's asking Timothy to do the same thing. And there's this beautiful thing that begins to happen, right? 
that we set an example and it changes things. And as one person comes in and, and is like inspired by the example that you set, they like now they become an inspiration to somebody else in this. And this is so needed. Um, don't miss, right? This, this really hit me. Don't miss the parallel between the world of Ephesus at this point in history. This is like some 2000 years ago and the world we live in right now, right? We live in a culture right now, man, where it, th- there are so many different opinions and beliefs politically, religiously, there's so much strife. And you know, the way of the world, when it faces those differences, what? We're going to bring about change, but here's how we're going to bring about change. We're going to fight and scratch and push. We're going to go on the attack. We're going to belittle the other side. We're going to, we, right? Every side goes, I think my side is what's good. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to advance it by forcing it on other people. That's the world's way. And what I love about what he does here in this moment, he says, here's what you do, right? Your conduct, your speech, right? You know what it will exemplify? My love, my faith in purity, right? Integrity. Have a kind of integrity to your love and your faith. See, here's the difference that we have as difference makers in this world. We're not trying to force or attack. We're trying to win over people's hearts. Because when we win someone over to Jesus Christ out of love and faith that comes from just like a genuineness, an integrity to the life we're trying to live in this, that creates change of a very different kind, doesn't it? A deeper change, a lasting change. It doesn't just change, right? The nature of the fight and the fight, you know, like one side wins and then what happens? Then the side that loses, they just come back and fight. Jesus like, you know, that's, that's not my way. My way is to win hearts over to my love and my faith in an enduring kind of way. And here's the deal. When we become difference makers that say, when we see something out there, we take our little drops that we have and we put them in, in a way that is changing the world. And people see that people are drawn to that. People are inspired by that. And then it's like more and more drops going into that bucket more and more drops. And the, the gravity of the change can be enormous. Um, there's a quote by Desmond Tutu that I absolutely love. And I don't remember where I first read it, but he said this, and it captures this idea so well. He said this, he said, do your little bit of good where you are. It is those little bits of good put together that overwhelm the world, he says, right? And he talks about this for Christ followers. Do your little bit of good and watch God put all those little bits of good together and it will overwhelm the world. I think about the early Christian church that had zero political power. It had no armies. It had very little resources. It had like no, you know, very little funding. It didn't have political position. It just, but they kept putting their little bits of good of love and faith. They, they cared about the widows. They cared about the people in need, right? They, like they just, they kept coming together. And you know what? Rome's not here anymore, but the church is. And the church overwhelmed the world with love and a call to faith. See, your 
your little bit of good, that drop that you have, don't underestimate how it can pull and inspire others to see what you're doing. And, so, and it just starts to add up. Another, uh, another reason why um, you making a difference is worth it is, is this. One last one here, and it's this. Maybe you're the right person to make the difference. And I mean this in a very specific way that there are specific instances, specific moments that God, God has done something in your life in a unique way. God has educated you in some way. God has gifted you in some way. God has walked you through experiences and then pulls you like in a supernatural way into some moment where like you are the best person to be the difference maker in that moment. Even if it's just a little drop your little drop was like designed for that moment, see, right? Um, the difference that you make is a difference worth making because God like maybe in some way orchestrated that moment. Um, I, I go back to Timothy, right? Here, Timothy is trying to lead this church in Ephesus that is just like being pulled in all of these different directions because of all the cultural differences. But there's something about Timothy's life that I bet early on uh, he felt like it was a tension that was, was nothing but trouble. I bet he looked at friends that didn't live in this same tension and envied the kind of home that they had or what they didn't have to deal with. Um, and we get a picture of this in the book of Acts. And you don't have to turn there, but, but I'm going to read this. This is out of Acts chapter 16. Um, and we see this picture of Timothy when he first kind of comes in contact with Paul before he becomes the pastor of uh, Ephesus. And this is in chapter 16, verse one. It says this, Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra where a disciple named Timothy lived, catch this, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was Greek. He, right? Can you picture him growing up? And it's just like, oh man, we're getting all the families together and this this part of the family, right? They can't eat half the stuff that, you know, my grandfather's parents are bringing over to the house and they get in these big fights over everything on all of this. Like, it's just like, and there's all of this tension. But man, talk about a guy who understood Greek culture and Hebrew culture and how to help them get along. Like he had, he grew up you know, where all of that had to be navigated and worked through. I think maybe what Timothy grew up going, man, this was a pain, right? Paul looked at that and goes, man, that is like the gift that I've been looking for, for a pastor in Ephesus, because God's given him all the tools he's going to need to help navigate a church in a place that's going to need someone just like him. And friends, God's doing the same thing with you. There are things that you have navigated. There are skills that you have. There are passions you have. There's just things that you bring that are, that are uniqueness, that just your little drop in the bucket, it matters because it's the right drop in the bucket in there. Um, there was a, a lady who lost her husband a few years ago and I had known them for just decades and decades. Knew them uh, both really, really well. And just... Uh, heartfelt, just over the loss of someone that I cared about and knew, 
Um, and just watch that whole thing uh, unfold. You know, and there's moments like that where you just go, man, God, like, did, what were you thinking, right? Did just, you just think, that, what good can come of this? And it wasn't too long ago, um, after one of the services, um, I was uh, like greeting people and like new people, like I do uh, most Sundays. And someone, a, a woman had come up who had, it was only her first or second time and someone invited her and she came and she, when she walked up to me, she was in tears because she had just lost her husband. And I remember just trying to console her and I prayed for her and just trying to care on her in that moment. Um, and I prayed for her briefly. And after I said, amen, I looked up and just past her shoulder, I see this other woman that I knew who was a widow. And I was like, like, I, like, and she looked right at me and she came over and there was this moment where she walked over and like, I hadn't said anything else to her. And it was like, she just looked in the eyes of this other woman and she just knew, she knew that pain. And it was like, in that moment, there was like, who else? I couldn't, who else in that moment could look her in the eye and know how to comfort and how to welcome her and make this church the right difference-making kind of church for her in that moment. See, you know, God, like he knows how to orchestrate those moments. He knows how to pull those things together. And here's what I want you to know. Each and every one of you, there are things that you bring. There are things from your experience. There are things that you have a passion about that are unique and they, and they count. They make a difference. Uh, you know, I think about uh, uh, March 2nd coming up. I was talking to someone and they were so excited. And he was just like, you know, I've never thought about like who I am is, is like making a difference in the church. Cause like I had like, you know, Bible studies and you know, that's in ministry. Like it's just, I'm mechanical. I like working on things. And when you talked about building bicycles and I was like, that can be a ministry. That can be like a, uh, it's like, wow. Like he was all excited about, it. he never thought about the fact that he had these passions and just this desire to do something mechanical that he thought that was just like something that God didn't really care about. But all of a sudden he saw it like in a new way and was so excited about it. I had a dad uh, talk to me uh, this morning before the first service whose 13 year old son loves to cook, right? Loves to cook and bake. And they're going to be uh, going over to the Ronald McDonald house. And this dad is so excited because his 13 year old son who loves to cook and bake all of a sudden is so excited because he has a place to make a difference and go and do that thing. And I just think like God's constantly working in these ways where there are things, passions, skills, gifts, experiences that we all have that God can use in amazing, amazing ways. I think back to that UN dinner, uh, right? The speaker shows up and it's just like, whew, okay. And this is like, well, I'm kind of glad, but I'm kind of bummed. And just like, you know, God, like, what were you doing? And all of this. And then um, the dinner was gone. I missed the dinner. And I was sitting there kind of hungry. And they were getting ready to bring out the dessert. The speaker finished uh, speaking. And now I'm trying to get to know some of the people at my table, all Syrian uh, diplomats, right? Um, and there was a lot of tension uh, uh, over this because this was back uh, pre-COVID when Syria was in the middle of some things. You remember this? And there were incredibly tight restrictions put on them, right? Because they're in the United States, but they're part of, you know, a diplomatic party. Um, they weren't allowed to go. I can't remember exactly how far it was, maybe five miles 
beyond either their embassy or the UN building. And that was it. Like they could barely make it to this dinner because we were just inside like that five mile radius. Um, and they weren't exactly welcomed by everyone there at the dinner that night. Um, and they, you know, and most of them were Muslim and started to have a little bit of a conversation with them. And one of the leaders from the Christian embassy uh, walked up to me and just said, thank you for being willing to, uh, you know, go to bat if the speaker didn't show up in this thing. Just thank me for it. And I was like, not a problem, right? And she walked off. And one of the guys uh, from Syria turned to me and goes, you were going to be the backup if the guy didn't show up? And I said, well, yeah. And he goes, why? <laughs> I was just like, I mean, I've talked with you for just a little bit here and I'm not seeing it, right? <laughs> thing, maybe, you know? And I go, well, I, um, I do a little bit of talking now and then. I said, I'm a pastor uh, from Arizona. He didn't know, I, I don't think he hardly even knew what a pastor was. I said, I'm a pastor from Arizona. And he goes, Arizona? I go, yeah. With the Grand Canyon and cowboys? I go, yeah. He goes, have you seen the Grand Canyon? I've been in the Grand Canyon. Have you ridden a horse? I've ridden a horse. And, uh, and this guy, I was just like, suddenly he's got like a cowboy who's been in the Grand Canyon. I, there, you know, I could not have been a more curious object for this man had I not uh, been able to say, and my grandfather was wider, right? Other than that, there was nothing. This, he was just like, oh my gosh. Like, it's just like, it was just, I don't know what it was, but he was fascinating. And so he engaged me in that moment with all of these questions. Like, what were you going to talk? What would a cowboy from Arizona have to say to everyone here? I was just like, you know, like, it just, and all of a sudden I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, the, I, I was, I was kind of wondering if the reason I was here was to make a difference, you know, here tonight, but it wasn't to try and make a difference by trying to speak to this whole group of diplomats and ambassadors in this whole room. God had me here because I was like a cowboy who's been in the Grand Canyon, who just spent the last two hours cramming for how to share about Christ to someone who is Muslim or Hindu, you know or Buddhist. And suddenly I got into this conversation with him because he's wanting to know, right? I remember having this conversation about Abraham and how we both share Abraham is like the forefathers of our faith and talked about how the lineage of Abraham comes back to this place of Jesus. And like, and all of a sudden it's just like, God, you knew this all along, right? Friends, you can be a difference maker just out of who you are. And the difference you make is a difference worth making. So take a step. Why don't you all stand? And I'm going to close this in prayer. And as I do, uh, let me just say, if you are new or visiting here, I would love to just be able to personally welcome you uh, and shake your hand here this morning. I'm going to be right over by these high top tables you see over there. I'd love to just, just uh, swing by on your way out and just let me shake your hand and welcome you. And if you're here this morning and there's just something heavy on your heart or just something you'd love to have prayer about, 
We have some chaplains and elders and some wonderful volunteers in our prayer place over here that would love to spend a little time praying for you this morning. Let let me close this in prayer. Father, we just thank you that you are a God that just, you use that little drop of whatever we have and you put it together and you do such beautiful things with it. And we look forward to seeing all that you'll do through us as your church. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Have a great morning and we'll see you next Sunday.